This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 441. And the quote of the day is, only in spontaneity can we be who we truly are. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, and you are listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Thanks so much for being here, and as you're listening to... Well, I don't know when you're listening to this, but uh, it, it's released on uh, on a day that I'm living up in Italy. So uh, if you're listening to it, you know, when it comes out, hit me up if you're in Italy. Would love to uh, connect. I'll be all around uh, Italy, so let me know on that. Yeah, I'll be in, like, Rome and Venice and and Modena and uh, Abruzzo and some other Florence, all different places. So let me know if you're around. Would love to uh, maybe meet up with some peeps. And if not, that's all good too. Hey, uh, if you're digging this, if you're digging the podcast, do me a favor and leave a rating or a review on iTunes. And if you're not digging it, then I don't, I don't really know why you're. <laughs> I don't know why you're listening. So, uh, but yeah, if you've been listening for a while, do me a favor, check it out uh, on iTunes. It's super easy to leave a rating and a review. And if this is your first episode, thanks for being here. There are 440 some of these uh, that you can find. And some people are can't find all of them on iTunes. Like some people's feeds are limited or I'm not quite sure why. All of them are on Spotify. All of them are on the website and all that stuff. So uh, they're definitely accessible and they're all free for you to check out. And the reason why they're free is because of great sponsors. And one of them is Dream Symbols. They have been with us for a very, very long time. Dream Symbols, they make amazing sounding symbols that do not break the bank. They're very inexpensive compared to all the other symbols that are out there. And they sound amazing. They're great people to work with. They're just really cool guys. I had Andy, the founder on the podcast a few months ago as well. And so you may want to check that out to hear how the whole company came about, but check them out and do yourself a favor and get some cheap symbols by going to dreamsymbols.com. So let's get into this conversation with Richard Spaven. Sure, most of you heard of Richard Spaven, but uh, he he and I have been trying to line this up for a little while, as is the case with a lot of these interviews, and really dig Richard's style. I I he and I have a kinship with with old school hip hop, and we talk about that a lot. He worked with Guru, and and he has this this like funk hip hop jazz sort of electronic sound and we talk about how he cultivated that sound and and then we talk about spontaneity and creativity and all these other things so just a really really cool conversation and i'm so stoked that i finally got him on the podcast so i'm gonna stop talking so you can start hearing from the man himself let's get into it with richard spaven richard spaven my man how are you hello mate not too bad thank you i appreciate you doing this uh, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for I, having me on. Of course, I think this is the reschedule from 2014, or something. Not that long ago. <laughs> no, surely. it wasn't that long I ago. Hope not. It wasn't That's that embarrassing. No. If it was, well, no. we, we've got three years more to talk about, then four years more stuff to talk about. It's great. Right. I think originally, I I think what happened. I canceled on you. I think is what happened, and then we just never reconnected. So it was totally my fault. So I. Uh, you know, we're not placing the blame on you at all because it was totally my fault. So, 
Okay, none taken. <laughs> I think you might be wrong, but I won't take any blame. <laughs> All right, we'll just keep we'll just you know we'll just keep it moving. So um, <laughs> we were just we were just talking about uh, something very interesting, which is your washing machine, and we were talking about the spin cycle, which you have a new song coming out, right? That is called that is called spin. But talk about the talk about the latest song that you that you just released and and this new record that you got. Um, so yeah, I've got a, um, a new album is coming out and in, in preparation for that, like we put out two singles in advance of the record coming out. So last Friday, um, my first single came out, which was called Faded. And it's um, another track that features the singer Jordan Rakaia. I guess if you know any of my previous stuff, you've probably heard something with Jordan mm-hmm. Rakaia on it. And that, and that's if you don't know his own music that he does in his own right, you know. So um, it's always exciting to have him on board. Um, and this album is a little different for me in terms of we actually all went down to the West Country, like beautiful English countryside. We recorded at Real World Studios, which is Peter Gabriel's studio. Mm-hmm. And we all basically lived there, down there together for a week and just like ate together, you know, wrote together, recorded together. Like it was amazing, something That's that I've awesome. just never done before. Yeah. So um, incredible surroundings and like technical stuff like just the gear in there the acoustics the surroundings just is it's just the most amazing studio experience that we've ever had you know and um and it was on my music my own music so it was uh yeah that's what's coming out the result of that session and that experience of everyone being together like you said eating together you're sort of like you're living together and there's a lot less distraction of everyday life that's going on because you're you're sort of in this creative bubble for a week. Do you think that that do you think that that helps your creativity or is it sort of like a double edged sword where you like sometimes you can get too close to the creativity or you can get too close to the thing that you're trying to create? Do you think it hinders or helps or a little bit of both? I think it completely helps. Um, I feel like everyone can just settle into a concentrated kind of energy you know and and just stay there whereas i don't know what it's like when you record but it's like like in in london you know for example if we're trying to do the same thing then like rob the bass player's running out because he's he needs to move his car on the meter right. and then someone else is late because the you know they've got to come in every day and there's all this sort of general kind of day-to-day stuff that everyone's taken care of you know down there it was just like no phone reception just um just everyone like concentrating on the job and being able to like really relax into it right um, amazing actually yeah like just it's, doing sessions since then just really noticed how important that is actually so this is a random question, but there was like, is there housing at Real World Studios, or do you have to like rent something around there? No, there is. It's it's like right on site. Yeah. So in the in the morning, I would get up in the 
in the bed and breakfast, um, have breakfast in the, you know, the dining room and then walk across the waterfall of the mill and just into the studio. And you you would, it's amazing. Like I'm, I would just walk in and find like Ollie, Ollie Rotberger, the pianist would be in there already. And he's like playing something to Jordan. Who's like, getting completely inspired by something those two are on you know in fact they ended up writing together since then for jordan's record Mm, and that's just an example of just like stuff like that just happening all the time you know it's just one of those weeks that i i can speak for everyone in the band and say like it was a real special week we don't get to do that often enough yeah um so it just had all sorts of like spin-offs about it as well yeah, and I think it takes some of the some of the creativity out of it when you're just like flying tracks back and forth via email or, you know, Dropbox and all that kind of stuff instead of like there's you're one removed if you're if you're not doing what you're doing and, you know, living together for a week or two weeks or a month or however long it is to record a record. And then you're even twice removed where it's like you're not even in the same room together. You're not even creating together. You're just listening to something that someone recorded and they could have recorded it in a totally different mindset than you're going to record your tracks for this particular thing. And I think it's hard to like, I think it's, I think it's harder and harder to be extremely creative in those types of situations. Like you can, I feel like you can be creative inside of your own thing, but like the overall creativity, I think it's hard. Do you agree? Um, Yeah, it's funny. I'm just thinking, like I've done my fair share of those kind of sessions, like with singers on my music, and uh, and also kind of remote drum sessions, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I must say that I wouldn't expect some. I wouldn't expect the listener to pick them to pick those out and say, like, "Hey, man, I feel like there's something lacking here in the vibe between you guys." Right. I, I feel like there's almost like a, a a skill in making it sound like it's. I mean, I guess at the time you just get on with it. It's like you're engaged musically. Um, it's just personally you don't have that sort of connection at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But and then I- there's always there's always the kind of pressing send, you know, and sending it to someone who's not there, whose whose project that it is, and it's kind of like, well, I hope you like this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's hard because you can't like, you know, when you're in a room and you're playing something and someone's giving you a look like I'm really digging this or I'm not really digging this. You can't get yeah. that when you're, you know, in the studio with your head down by yourself and you send it and then you just get the yeah. email back. That's like, mm, that wasn't really what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning <laughs> you're like, whole oh, different okay. vibe. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, all right, I'll start over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I, I like the idea of what you've done with your career in terms of going out and becoming becoming the band leader and taking control of your career because, you know, historically we as drummers are sidemen and women and a lot of times just sit and wait for the call. And I know that you do some of that work too where you'll do, you know, you know you'll do drummer for hire stuff or you'll do session work, but you also do your own thing. And yeah. for you, was that was that built out of necessity or was that built out of just something that you wanted to do? Cause for me, I was like, I wanted more gigs. So I just built a band and was like, now I can control as many, you know, I can control how many gigs I play. And 
where we tour and all that kind of stuff. What was the, what was sort of the driving force behind you doing that? Um, I think it was just, um, it was just playing with so many different people and like being in so many situations where I, I would have ideas and they wouldn't necessarily be recognized, you know, and something that I've noticed having my own thing is it's, it's great to be in a studio situation with the idea that you know that you know that excites you and know that you're going to see it through you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the main thing it, it was never a sort of motivation to i want to take control i don't want to do sideman gigs anymore i absolutely love doing sideman gigs um but um it was just a sort of additional thing really and 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 also I guess the biggest thing was just I just I was just writing you know and just like having an outlet for that just became absolutely necessary at some point mm-hmm. and that also that also really the the knock-on effect of that was that people seemed to understand me much better once I put my own music out and I, I recommend that to anyone actually who doesn't release their own music is you, you really make a statement about that people can really understand of like, okay, I really see what it is that you're doing now. Do you know what I mean? Is you, I mean, it is a statement and putting a record out is a statement mm-hmm. of, of what you do. And it's, it really kind of reflected that in people of, in this sort of understanding of like, okay, I, I see, totally see where you're coming from and your stylistic thing, you know, is uh, really of becomes really obvious hearing your own music. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about like the actual, the actual building of it, like zero to one. For me, when I when I was putting out a record, I was like, I don't even know how to do this. I don't know. I don't have a band. I don't have any music. I don't like. I don't even know where what step one is to start to do this. And you had mentioned that you were you were writing. Uh, what were you writing? I mean, are you writing on guitar or bass or piano or or what sort of process did you take to sort of get the ball rolling? Um, sort of bits of everything really. Um, I, I was writing before I had an outlet to write for, if you know what I mean, which I think Mm -hmm. is a good way way around. And then I was good at like never finishing anything. Um, I'm a professional at that. (laughs) Right. You kind of, you kind of need to know that there's an outlet for it. Right. Um, it was Spaven's Five was my first record, and Jazz Refreshed offered to put that out to my surprise. And I was like, okay, I really I need to finish some things then, you know. And mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of the process then, um, like I've got an MPC sampler, um, like the old Akai. Yeah, I love and those things. Yeah, there was some stuff on there. So some of the things sort of came from just like program drum patterns, some samples that I then sort of uh, got someone to play a bit of guitar on. Some things come out of, like, you know, me sitting at a keyboard for hours and noodling around and, you know, trying to just work it together in a sort of traditional composing kind of sense. Um, Quite often I'll just get together with Stuart McCallum, the guitarist in my band, Um, me and him, like, wrote Faded, all sorts of stuff, like Law, Mm -hmm a load of the tracks is very kind of signature um 
sort of uh, sound of Stuart's, and he's 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 the harmonic genius that I'm not. So if I have an idea, I can take it to him. I know that he can because we work together so much now. I know that he can expand on it in the way that I need it to go. You know what I mean? It's really mm-hmm. great to have that. Um, so it's sort of yeah, the music comes together in all different in all different ways. I, I try and keep it that way as well. I think it's quite nice to, you know, some scratchy little idea on your phone or just or whatever it is, some patch on the profit or an arpeggiator thing that you start, you think of a drum pattern that goes across it or, you know, some dotted pattern across it or something. I don't know, like all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so kind of different approaches for for different for different things Mm -hmm. one of the interesting things that that you said was that you know finding finding someone that sort of like makes up for maybe some of the weaknesses that you have or maybe they're not even weaknesses they're just you know sort of everyone has gaps in in what they're good at right so you're good at your specific thing but there's someone else who may be better at something that's you know harmonically you said he's better or you may have someone who's really good at at actually putting the pieces together and sort of arranging everything and all of that so if you can go out and find these people I think we as drummers, we're like, okay, we I don't play a harmonic instrument. I'm not necessarily writing on a keyboard, you know, or a guitar or something like that because I don't play those instruments. And we can either make up the excuse and say, okay, I can't do this or help, you know, find someone that can help you sort of get your ideas out and get them into some cohesive idea, right? Because the, the idea that you go to that person with what that becomes will never exist unless you go to that person with it. It's down to you to go and do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's some, some of the best producers haven't really done all that much. And sometimes it is, it takes the producers just to bring two people together and then it's what they do. That is the thing that would have, would never have happened without a producer. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I think something for me with my music is, um, I mean, I think my production skills have improved over, you know, you do learn over the course of like, this is fourth album now. And I mean, if you listen back, you can definitely hear a difference um, to the fives where I didn't even have my own symbols with me on the recording session and had to use some just trash ones that we found behind the desk. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can really hear that when you, when you listen to it. But I but I opted for vibe over perfect sound, you know. Mm-hmm. But but so production wise, it's something that I I kind of want to control. That I want things to sound a certain way, and I think I'm sort of developing a production sound of my own. But then also, it's it's definitely important to know when to let go and give it to someone else. So I bought in a couple of producers on this new record just cause I want to just stretch out a bit more in their direction, you know, mm-hmm. and it's definitely a thing to be able to let go of it and give it to someone else. And it comes back very different, you know, but, um, but stretched. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, I don't know. That's a, it's another thing. Keeps things fresh. I think the the idea of letting someone else get their hands dirty with it is in the beginning, not wanting someone to do that is 
our ego getting in the way. And then as we get older, you know, maybe it's maturity that allows us to say, you know what, why don't you go take this and see what you can do with it and, and see, you know, I trust your judgment. And I think that the more that we can set our ego to the side, what comes out of that is, is greater creativity and, and sort of a greater, a greater product all around. If you can, if you can do that, not always, but for the most part, if you let people get yeah. in there. I would say it's not it's not so much about sort of letting go of ego or something. It's it's more of like if you have the sound in your head of how what you want it to sound like, then you'll kind of strive for it. And it's sometimes it's difficult to realize an idea that you have in your mind and actually execute that in the studio or on equipment or in production or whatever it is. But sometimes you can be so just focused on it that you almost just can't let it go until you found that kind of aesthetic for the for the music because it's yours you know mm-hmm. it's just so personal it's kind of like it's just it's difficult to let it go so right it, it's helped me on this new record to have these producers in mind it during the writing process as opposed to once you've written it and recorded it got completely attached to it then it's very you know with your aesthetic in mind of how you wanted it to be then someone like snatches it out of your hands and does has their own way with it and you're like oh no this is just not right you know (laughs) whereas there's nothing right or wrong about it it's just your you had these strong preconceptions about how you wanted it to sound right um so it's helped me kind of in the earlier stages of the project knowing that the certain tracks are going to be pitched towards these guys coming in and doing their thing on it Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah talk to me about i want to backtrack a little bit about influences you had and things that you were listening to sort of growing up because you would mention you have these ideas in your head or you have these sounds in your head and you want them to sound a particular way and I think that you've developed your own sound as not only with your records, but just you as a as a player in general. And sometimes I listen to you and you sound, you know, like a hip hop guy or and then you sound like a jazz guy and then you sound like sort of like an EDM guy. But it's always it always sounds like you every whenever you're playing. And mm. I know that, you know, you've worked with you worked with Guru and, and you've done jazz stuff and you do, you know, electronic stuff. So was that was that sound intentional that you developed over over time or was that something that sort of was born out of the stuff that you were listening to and and all of the influences that you have um i think it's uh it's like having such strong influences and i think um i i've sort of realized more about how strong they were like as more and more people have asked me sort of a you know kind of what you're saying about you know you describing me as having this kind of sound it's weird when it's you it's you don't really I don't feel like I I do really I just do what I do you know but right if like looking back it's just I I think being in London is a huge part of it for me and like growing up here um like I went to a lot of clubs basically where um not so much like party sort of clubs, but like clubs really where new music was really kicking off. Mm -hmm. And 
that that was definitely the case for like drum and bass in London and then broken beat and then like dubstep, you know, that's three huge genres of music that have influenced and still do influence me hugely, like straight off the bat where I went there and, you know, this is not like sort of checking something out on YouTube. This is like buying records on a Saturday going down to all the nights, you know, absorbing the music on a sound system, like being there in a small scene of people who feel like it's something special and very underground sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And just absorbing a lot of music in that way has just sort of like benefited me so much in terms of like, I was kind of calculating all that as a drummer really when I look back on it. And it's, I would walk out of some of those places like, like with the inspiration that you carry from a gig sometimes, you know, when you've seen something amazing and you walk out and you feel like you've just absorbed all of this mm-hmm. inspiration. I would come out of clubs feeling like that. And I, I think I still, I still kind of feed off that now, you know, it's, it's given me, it's, there's some sort of blueprint in there for me um, from experience and all of that in that way. Um, that is still, you know, it's still sort of coming out of my music and and my playing. How old were you when you were when this was going on? Like when you were going to the clubs and all that? And how long had you, had you been been playing? Uh, I mean, I, I um, I I used to have a a teacher who was like a big band drummer, um, and I started lessons with him when I was eight years old. Freddie Wells, his name was, and um. And then I was just like into a load of hip hop, but playing in, in like junior swing bands, you know, like uh, Mm -hmm. jazz orchestra stuff. Um, and then I guess like 18 onwards, you know, going, going to clubs and stuff and, and checking all that stuff out. Um, yeah, like quite, quite heavily. And just as the scenes moved in London, you know, drum and bass didn't stay the same forever it kind of, it, it started out super underground and then, you know, other things came out of that sound and we, we kind of went into broken beat and there's more sort of electronic dance, jazz dance sort of stuff. Um, and so on, you know, it it just, it keeps, it keeps moving. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing that you were saying about, about absorbing it and you, and you sort of leave the club with this, with this newfound sort either enthusiasm or this, this new perspective or new look on something. I think it's interesting that maybe at the time we don't realize the things that we're actually absorbing. Like I grew up kind of, I didn't grow up going to the clubs, but I grew up listening to hip hop. Like that's all I listened to. And yeah, and like my brother got me into it. So I was into it at an early age. Like I was, you know, seven, eight years old listening to hip hop. So, uh, what, what was your first, what was your first, like, uh, your first, first hip hop thing? Yeah. Probably like probably Eric B and Rakim. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But Hayden it was like, Fall. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, like I can probably recite that whole record. 
Yeah. Like it's fish fish is my favorite dish. <laughs> yeah. But without the money it's still a wish, but I don't like to dream about getting paid, so I think for the bonds that I made. Which is my favorite dish, but without no money, it's still a wish. Cause I don't like to dream about getting paid, so I dig into the books of the rhymes that I made. So now to test to see if I got <laughs> Um so but like yeah, or uh um Eric Green, Rockham, EPMD, the DOC. I was you know, like, I was listening to NWA. I was listening to EZE. I was listening to uh, like yeah, Special I was like Ed. Run DMC, Public Enemy, yeah, like Big Daddy Kane, yeah, yep. yeah, all of that stuff. So I listened to all that stuff. But the the interesting thing is that was well before I ever played drums. Like I didn't start playing drums until I was fifteen. So I would listen yep. to all this stuff. But now when I play. Like even when I was fifteen, I would start playing, and I would just kind of play that stuff. Like it would yeah. just naturally come out of me, and I'm like, I don't know, this is what I feel like beats sound like, you know. Yeah. And it's like the idea of what of absorbing versus like what you said, going on YouTube and watching it. Like you don't, you don't get it like that. You don't get it that way. Yeah, I mean, if someone sits you down and says, "Okay, we're going to learn hip hop today," it goes like this. You're you're not going to learn it in the same way that you just explained, you know. And I I like what you're saying about how you just sat down and you just kind of knew what a beat, what you thought a beat should sound like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's just that's just like been drummed into you, no pun intended. But it's like, well, you yeah, you just absorbed that and learned that for yourself without ever being taught it, and you did that through the enjoyment of listening to the music. And it moved you, you know what I mean? Right. It, it didn't t- it didn't teach you, but it but it did. <laughs> right. You know, it's right. it's 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 amazing that. It's amazing. Well you but, must have sounded great age fifteen then just sitting down playing a load of hip hop breaks. Yeah, Nothing I mean else. I did couple, I mean, <laughs> let's let's not let's not exaggerate here. <laughs> I, I was playing my bastardized version of what I heard, but I wasn't yeah. sitting down like, oh, let me try to, you know, let me try to play like this Dave Weckl thing. I was like, I wanna try to figure out how to play, you know, I wanna figure out how to play paid in full or I wanna play like I wanna figure out how I can play along with like strictly business or something like that. The funny thing yeah. is the first time I heard uh the first time I heard Funky Drummer, I was like Yo, they got this from Eric B and Rakim. I'm rated all. This is a warning. You better avoid poets and paranoid DJs destroy. Guess I came back to attack others with spite. It's like like lightning. It's quite frightening. But don't... And it was yeah. like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, super sorry. naive, you know, like not not knowing what's going on. And I'm interested to get your opinion about how because I, I think it was different. I think it was a different time then one. I would just like, I would just sit around and listen, like you'd buy a new record and you would just sit around and listen to it. Or you would go to the club and you would experience these things, but there's far less live music, that type of live music, like huge concerts. There's still a lot of them, but, but like that small intimate setting, I feel like there's less and less of that. And what's your take on sort of what's going on now with how people are, consuming music and for drummers who are are like you know gravitated towards a certain thing like how can we how can you absorb that now in 2018 well i don't know if i can answer that but i i guess i guess what i'm i guess what i'm getting at in terms of i'm just trying to convey to people what you know exactly what you just said about just like really 
if you're gonna if you're into something just be into it and absorb it as opposed to I, what worries me is the kind of like oh yeah i checked that out it's like you don't know what that means these days when someone says that to you does that mean you just learned some you know sort of shallow way of learning just via watching something on youtube as opposed to really like living it do you know what i mean i'm sure you mm-hmm. bought your hip-hop records and you sort of lived those you know what i mean yeah and I, I just i feel like that's potentially something that i would have really missed if if i didn't if that wasn't the case for me you know mm-hmm. um in terms of like music industry i don't know really in terms of in terms of sort of spotify and streaming and stuff i don't know it's this there's so much out there, isn't there? Um, there's so much, uh, there's just so much on offer. It's difficult to kind of hone in on any one thing. I, I feel like, you know, my favorite thing about records is that it doesn't tell you the duration of the record that you're lis- listening to is not in front of you mm-hmm. as soon as you put the record on. You know, I feel like that's, there's like a, there's just an impatience around music that's as someone that makes music in a very particular way and I make it sound the best that I possibly can like musically and technically as well you know mm-hmm. um it's that feels like a frustration you know right um I, I wish everyone was going in a in a direction of like you know getting better speakers and buying things on vinyl more Mm-hmm. which people still are but yeah know. and vinyl so, so you know, coming back not coming yeah. back but every year there's more and more vinyl sales which is amazing yeah oh yeah it's definitely i mean i still i still buy vinyl myself mm-hmm. um, me too I, I really enjoy it yeah but um so i don't you know i don't know i'm not i don't really I, i'm not i don't think like um spotify is a bad thing or you know i'm not i'm not out to be like streaming is is a negative. I don't feel it is. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, hard to say. It's just my, I think my point was just about, you know, what exactly what we are just saying about just checking things out or, mm. or really like living a scene and getting involved, you know, and being part yeah. of something. I th- there's a couple interesting things that I just kind of popped in my head when you were saying all that. One is the idea of, of how we listen to music now. I feel like I still listen to music the same way I used to. If I, if a new album comes out, I will listen to it 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 times. Like over and over and over again. I remember when The Roots, um, The Tipping Point came out. Like I listened to that record like every day for a year. And I feel like I developed that habit and I still listen to music that way. I don't know if you still do or if your sort of listening habits have changed. Like now the Eminem record, like I listen to that record every day now, the latest Eminem record that came out. Um, I think my habits have definitely changed, yeah. Have they? I mean, I, I, I'll buy I'll, I'll buy my favorite things on vinyl, and then, then it almost, that becomes the older way of just dropping the needle like on the same side over and over again, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'm a bit more flippant with stuff you know on on spotify i guess not as not quite as concentrated sometimes right 
I and I for me it's like a habit. I don't do it. I'm yeah. not like, oh, I really need to dig into this Eminem record. I just like, I just sure. put, put it on and and let it go. But I think the other thing that you had mentioned about about all of this information that's out there, I think that one every like there's so much information that everyone thinks that they have to learn all of this stuff. Like, yeah, you know, there's 87 gajillion videos on YouTube, and you're like, I have to learn all that stuff. And it's like, no, just learn the stuff that you like. Like, yeah. go do the thing that you're attracted to. Like, if you're really attracted to drum and bass, then go learn that. If you will, you know, like, if you're really attracted to hip hop, and who knows, you may do it for three years and then be like, eh, I want to get into Latin now. It's like, okay, well, then go study that. But, like, I just have this strong opinion about just because there's, you know, 150 million videos playing double bass doesn't mean you have to do that too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, t- I totally agree, yeah. So has it always been for you just gravitating and playing toward, or playing the things that that you enjoyed? Or, you know, did you ever start to go down that road of saying, oh, I should learn this stuff, or I should learn that thing? Or has it always just been like, nope, this is what I like doing, and that's what I'm going to concentrate on? Um, I, don't, I think I've always sort of tried to learn things that I'd, I've always tried to push myself with learning stuff. I've been in some bands where the music has been like really difficult as well. And that's, they've been sort of big learning curves, you know, and I'm quite happy for that to go outside of, I don't have some cutoff point where I'm like, well, I'm a drum and bass hip hop, like dubstep (laughs) guy. So, uh, sorry, I'm not going there. You know what I mean? I want to go there. I've done, played all sorts of stuff. I mean, a lot of jazz stuff as well, but a lot of contemporary stuff. And just that's really sort of stretched me as a player. And then, um, you know, practice-wise, um, over the years, this, the same kind of mentality, I, I would say, of trying to trying to do things. Um, I, I believe in kind of like, a, I call it residual learning. I don't know if that's actually a, I don't know if that's actually a phrase. I think I've said it so many times to myself that it's become, I, th- I think it's widely recognized, but I think it's probably not. But which is where you would just practice things and it would shape your playing gradually as opposed to specifically, you know. So mm-hmm. n- not just practicing your six-stroke rolls and then going out on the gig and just dropping those six-stroke rolls just like you practiced. But right. doing, you know, practicing broader things that will just kind of elevate your playing but um without without not being in in a sort of specific not in not being the specifics that you actually practiced if you see what i mean mm, talk, talk, explain it a little bit more well so i've i sort of developed this sort of coordination exercises that i've been doing for years and it's sort of like a bottomless pit where you you'll sort of end up playing in five and four and three all at the same time, stuff like that. Like I'm not desperate to go out and drop that on a gig or anything or, or necessarily make a piece of music out of it. I might, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, it's, it's the kind of, it's what, it's the way that that stretches you that enables you to just control other things as when you're playing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's that, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense as as an example, um as opposed to 
you know, because I'm definitely not like a predetermined player in terms of I don't really know what I'm about to play ever. Maybe I should think about that one of these days. But if you know what I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. like, there's no feel or whatever is ever predetermined. Like you're right. never in anything that I've ever done, just having like a preconceived chop or something that goes there is it's just I just never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can think, tell when people do. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. And um, that's just, you know, my favorite drummers are those who just play, you know, and um, that's just uh, that's just the way that I see it, you know. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's funny, we all just, you know, just hit things with sticks and uh, it's amazing how much variety there is out of it, isn't it? I mean, you must... Yeah. You've taught so many people so many different ways of thinking about it and all that, so it's, uh, yeah, crazy. So as you may know, Mapex is an advertiser on this podcast, and I had a phone call with them the other day about their new products that they have coming out, and they wouldn't tell me what was going on. They actually put me on mute on the call while we were talking about this because they didn't want to release sensitive information. But here's what I do know. It's going to be amazing. And also, it's going to be revolutionary. They're introducing six or seven revolutionary ideas when it comes to drum building in terms of sound, in terms of isolation, in terms of resonance, all kinds of crazy stuff going on here. I just don't know exactly what it is yet. But you can follow the conversation by going to Mapex's Instagram page or just search the hashtag built from the sound up. It's going to be great. Drummers, we know that we sit at the back of the stage, but we know the band revolves around us because we set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans Drumheads with Level 360 technology. Thanks to Level 360 technology, Evans Drumheads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find your sweet spot. Plus, they go well beyond the normal tuning ranges for higher highs and lower lows. So now the sound that you want will always be the sound that you get. For more info, check them out by going to evansdrumheads.com. Let's get back with Richard Spaven. I think the, the most interesting thing is, out of you know all of these conversations that I've had is that everyone sort of has their own way of doing things or their own perspectives on things or their own style or you know they love different I'm, I'll talk to somebody who hates hip hop, I'll talk to another guy who loves it, you know, everyone is different. And the thing that I've gotten out of all of these conversations is that's cool. Like Mm. whatever you're into is really cool and you should do that. You know, it's like, there's no, not once have I heard anyone be like, you really need to do. I mean, I think a lot, some people are like, you should learn, you should learn jazz and understand jazz because it's foundationally, it's really good for your playing and everything, but there's no one that's ever pushed like an agenda everyone's like you should just do what makes you happy and do the things that you enjoy playing like if you're not into playing heavy metal then you shouldn't be going into the shed every day like you know shedding your heavy metal chops and you hate every second of it that's stupid so that's the that's the thing that i've you know one of the things i've gotten out of this conversation or out of all these conversations is that like whatever you do is cool and whatever i do is is cool too that's good to know that if I do start 
chopping up on some heavy metal stuff that everyone will just be cool with that you know? yeah they'll be like oh i guess richard's into heavy metal now well i did have a double pedal once <laughs> i did have a double a pedal one time <laughs> yeah yeah i've i played with a guy for a long time that was like you need to get a double pedal you need to get double and i was like why i don't want to play a double pedal i had one years ago i had like an iron cobra double pedal and because carter beaufort from Dave Matthews Band had a double pedal, and I was like, "Well, if he has one, I have to have one." But I just never, never got into it. You know, I don't know. And the rewinding, the reason why I asked the question in the first place about like what you should be working on and and working on things that maybe you like or don't like. I get a lot of emails that are, you know, they're like, "Nick, there's here's eighty seven different things." that I think that I should be working on and I don't know how to prioritize them or I don't know where to start or whatever the case may be. And my, my answer is always, why do you need to learn all that stuff? Yeah. Is it for a gig? Is it for, are you just figuring like you went on Google and like Googled every drum thing that you could find and then put it in this email and was like, this is all the stuff I have to learn. And I mean, it's, yeah, there's there's different things. Like it's it's so often. I mean, I actually had some time to practice recently, and uh, I realized that that never happens when you actually get to practice for yourself. Like, what do you practice when when it's not the case of like you just have to learn the music for the next gig or sorting out your own music for the for your session coming up? You know, like stuff that is to a deadline kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, like just that kind of, when you go back to just what you want to do, I think that's a, that's a nice place to be. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting list to make for yourself of like, what do you actually want to work on for yourself? You know, cause it, it, I don't know about anyone else, but that seems to be that time always gets swept under the carpet by some other, sort of deadline or project or whatever it is, you know, that you're mm -hmm. going from one thing to the next. Um, that thing's that, that seems to go by the wayside too often. So it's, it's nice to have a chance to get on it yourself sometimes. Do you ever get in there and say, okay, I have all this free time. What, I don't know what to work on. I don't have any free time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I have all this free time sort of in the practice room now. Like I'm not working on learning new material. I have just me time that I can just practice whatever I want to practice. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have that problem recently whilst I was doing it. I found it really inspiring actually. And, uh, just, um, I found just tons of things to work on. It was great. Nice. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I think there's, there's, it's overwhelming. You know, there's, there's too much out there that, that you can practice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to switch gears and talk to you a little bit about Guru. I know you got to work with him and I'm interested to hear like how that whole thing came about and what it was like working with him. Um, it's funny whilst you were talking about hip hop earlier on, cause I mean, I'm sure you were, a, you were a fan yeah, as well time. when you were a kid, you know, and, I was remembering the first time that I played full clip with Guru. That was one of the highlights of my career, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. 
fresh out the gate again. Time to raise the stakes again. Fat my plate again. Y'all cats know we always play to win. GNG to the stars, son. Haters took this too far, son. So that's all for you. I'm wiping out your whole team. Out, splatter your dreams with lyrics to shatter your schemes. The badder you seem, the more lies you tell. The more lies you sound. Now by surprise, you fell into my death trap, right into my clutches. There was the beat, you know, and like, and the groove, and then I was like, wait a minute, this I'm playing this. You know what I mean? It was, we were, <laughs> it was like an out-of-body like, experience. <laughs> well, yeah, we were in Albania as well on the beach. I remember my passport was about to expire, and they weren't going to let me fly. And I was just like, oh, man, what an idiot. Like, I nearly <laughs> missed that gig, you know. But it was like really? MT, MTV Albania, I think it was. And we were, we were on a beach, and... Um, there was so much, so many people going to the show that we had to get out the bus and like walk to the gig ourselves. And I remember just like Guru running on and it full clip was just already going and it was just, man, it was amazing. And then as you know, when he starts like rapping on it, it was just like, man, I can't believe this is happening. It was amazing. That was definitely a moment, definitely a moment. But, um, it just came about through, uh, I was working with a UK rapper called Ty and um, we did a lot of live stuff with him. Learned a lot doing his band. Um, we we really had it popping at one time. Um, his live show was amazing. Um, T.Y. his name is. And um, he knew Guru's agent, I think it was, and they had just, They'd cross paths. He had mentioned me, and you know that's that was how it came about. Pretty boring way that <laughs> it came about, I'm afraid. Um, and then I was just straight in there. They were quite kind of uh, didn't tell you too much, you know. Something, you know, for something like that, you right, know, the right. feeling of like you just want the whole set list to come into your inbox, and like you know, they send you the music, and you want to know what's going on, like. You know, where, where's the rehearsals? We ended up rehearsing in Zurich or something in Europe somewhere. Did you find out like four and days it, before the rehearsal where it was going to be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was all that like the set list never came through how you wanted it. It's like, right. um, you know, you you wanted to know like way in advance, and it was. And you can attest to this, like hip hop, hip hop like plays by their own rules. Oh man, that's well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I I earn my hip hop stripes on tour with that band. I tell you that. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy, pretty crazy. I I don't know if you've seen um, any of this sort of uh, like Premier was fairly vocal in it. I think just in the since Guru's passing, um, just about the whole involvement of his like partner guy. I don't know if you saw. I'm not even no. going to mention him, but there was there was quite some controversy about. Um, sort of guru's estate and just and just some sort of manipulation on him and all sorts of stuff really and, and um, who who yeah. would you say was vocal about it premier was uh premier was one of the guys yeah. yeah yeah i'll have to look it up and and read about it yeah it's a it's a little it's a shame um but um it's uh it it happened and that was all that was all sort of popping off on the tour as well. So um, we did, I think we played, we went around the States on a bus for like two months with that band, I think it was, um, which was crazy. Um, so yeah, and a, a lot of like, 
don't know how to say this, a lot of hip-hop things happened <laughs> on a tour, you know. Like, I remember one night in Seattle, we got booed onto stage because um, there was a big argument that we weren't, we didn't play because uh, they wanted to be paid all of the money and the venue were like, we don't pay, we pay half, we've paid you half, we pay the other half after you play. And there was some kind, there was some arguing going on. So hip hop, you know? And, uh, so by the time we played, it was like two and a half hours late. We got booed onto stage. It's pretty rough. What, oh, cause you um, guys just weren't, they weren't coming out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, the band were kind of helpless. And it was, uh, when I say they, if you look it up, you'll see who I mean. Um, (laughs) but, um, you know, the business side of, of the, of, of the project was, uh, was withholding us going on stage. And there was a few, yeah, there was plenty of drama on that tour. Yeah. There was some, there was some police involved and, and, uh, and some jail at one point. Not myself, but um, <laughs> really, yeah, it, I gotta yeah, look. Oh yeah, up. yeah, yeah, man. There was, um, yeah, that was my. I mean, I thought I knew about hip hop, but that was that was really something else. That tour. Were you like, what the hell like, is going on? Oh yeah, yeah. It was like, don't let my mum see see that I'm on this. T-, you know, so I send her a postcard from Cali, like having a great time. You know, I've seen the Golden Gate Bridge or something like that. It's and it was all <laughs> it was all going off. Oh man, I gotta look the, this up. I think my favorite one, this is the funniest one, um, was when uh, the bus driver suddenly was telling us there was like a problem with the bus, so he had to drop us off. Don't worry, you know, there's a hotel here, we'll drop you and all the gear, and of course they'll send another bus, you know, no problem. And so, like, he drops all the stuff off, you know, drums, unload, clear out your, your bed and everything. And then, of course, the bus just drives off. Like, doesn't seem to be anything wrong with the bus. Really? <laughs> and uh, it was just they hadn't paid for it. <laughs> so, oh so God. the driver just the driver just dumped us in the middle of the tour. I don't, I can't, I don't know where we were in the states somewhere. And um, and yeah, I don't know. We just ended up being in a hotel for three days or something, and trying to find another bus. It was all. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that was that was one of the more sort of uh, that that was that was funny. Um, there was uh, there was some not so funny stuff as well. Yeah, it was. It's quite, crazy, it was man. Quite I intense, mean, like, man. I mean, as you know, like hip hop is our it's rebellious music anyway, right? Or that at least how it started. Right now, I feel like it's sort of getting more into like pop and all that stuff. But it started. It was it was rebellious, and yeah. I feel like the the business side of hip hop. It's the same way. It's like they don't play by the, like they don't play by the same rules, you know. Like yeah. it's it's crazy. I was just talking to my buddy yesterday. He's like, I did all these sessions, and he was like, I didn't get paid. My credit, my names aren't on the, my name's not on the credits. I didn't get paid for the session. Everything. It's just like, oh, sorry, <laughs> you know. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, there is an argument to say that you know you should, you know that. Or to say that they were actually dealing with some of the things in the right way, you know, maybe they weren't going to get paid. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. But it's, I mean, you got the you got the experience out of it. Now you get to talk about. It. Plus, you got to do you know a ton of shows with Guru, which is amazing. 
Yeah, I've got to say, man, he was he he was just a great guy, you know. And like when it was just him with the band and stuff, he was just such a character and just like such a just such a gentle soul and just you know living legend at the time. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really sad what happened to him, you know. He's it's a loss to the music scene, you know, without him and. Um, yeah, it was, you know, musically it was absolutely. It's 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 great to be on stage with someone who, where you really appreciate being there, at the time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, like I say, obviously there was the first time playing full clip, but like, you know, just knocking that out every night and just like, just realizing that it was something special at the time. Um, that's you know, that's a great thing to have on the road, you know, um, just to know that you're doing something like really special to you. Um, yeah, definitely, um, definitely big experience for me, that whole, that whole thing. How do you go, how do you approach something like that? Is it, do you approach it the same way you approach any other gig or is there a different sort of preparation or is there a different mindset going into a gig with someone that I'm guessing for you was like one of your idols too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I mean, I think wild excitement is the, the first thing, you know, <laughs> it's like doing a guru gig. What, you know, it's just, it's amazing. And I, I think it's good to go into, into gigs like that as well, you know, to have that sort of respect, um, level for the gig that you're going into and to be that excited about it um but in terms of mindset i don't know it's like like we already said you know i think i i know what it i i I knew what it needed and i knew how i wanted it to sound and i i knew how i wanted to sound on it like i wanted to like smash out those breaks like the best that i could you know in the most um authentic way as well you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so that's that was all i all i went in with really um that was kind of like the main thing um i didn't i didn't pack my double pedal and go and try and blast chops all over it or anything like that <laughs> of course but uh but yeah that was that yeah that's yeah that's just the, the main thing is just to go and smash it in the way that you feel that it needs to be smashed you know because you have an opinion because this is your you you came up on this stuff you know what i mean so you already you already are passionate about the music how it's how it's got to be you know Mm -hmm. and that's what i was asking you know i was thinking did you i mean you can't go in with with an agenda so are you going in like all right i'm just gonna do I'm going to make it sound exactly like the record or I'm going to add, you know, my sort of Richard Spaven take on this record or it's just going to be, you know, that was, I was thinking about that approach wise and I'm wondering how I would approach it. I feel like I say I would serve the music and then I would go in there and be a jackass and try to serve myself <laughs> or something. <laughs> I mean, like, hey, no, you check out yeah, I mean, that's, we definitely tried to make the set, kind of breathe in a live way here and there, you know? So mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, just pull your cap down and just hold it down. It, it was, 
I think a, a varied set was is always a nice thing to have. Um, and, you know, we had a say in that. And the band sort of evolved as well because we, we were doing it for quite a few years. So the band kind of evolved and, you know, those things that happen when a band is allowed to do that where you kind of like, you know, things happen on stage and you and it's like, okay, you keep that. And mm -hmm. it, it gets added to the set as variation and things that things that work. So, um, yeah, it wasn't just one thing, but I mean, yeah, come, uh, what's, uh, I can't remember all the names of the tracks right now. Um, oh man, this is going to annoy me. <laughs> it's right on the tip of my tongue. There's a, uh, gangstar tune that we played every night. Damn, what is it? I'm actually going to look it up. It really annoys me, that sort of thing, in the middle of talking to you and not being able to remember <laughs> stuff like that. But, I, I mean, you would start you would start a track like that with a, and just be like, man, this is, uh, this has just got to go down hard, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it would be a sort of mentality of, like, just, like, a groove with girth, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, right. It's, it's uh, mass appeal that I'm thinking of. Oh, man. No way you'll never make it. Come with the weak shit, I break it. Step into my zone, mad rhymes will stifle you. Lines like rifles go blast when I kick Oh, I love that tune. That's it's, yeah. I, I don't know if you just heard it. I actually hit pl I accidentally hit play while you were talking, and that's what played was Mass Appeal. <laughs> that's weird because I just played it as well exactly, yeah. <laughs> at exactly the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's a groove. That's a, that. I love that tune too. Yeah, I think that. I, like what what I'm getting out of out of this conversation is the idea of you know you can. You should do your thing. You should honor the music. You should serve the music, but understand that, you know, you also have a, have your own sort of job to do and your own sort of, uh, I don't want to use the word agenda, but your own creativity that you need to serve as well. And, and walking that fine line is something that, that I think that we as drummers can do a better job at doing rather than, like you said, cap down, just playing a group just playing the beat or the other side of it where it's like just playing all over everything and it's totally serving your ego and not serving the music i think there's a blend of the of the two that i think that you do well and i think that a lot of us drummers need to to take notice in that and uh and try to work that into our playing hmm. nice <laughs> i don't want to say to that <laughs> I'll just hit play on Mass Appeal again. We'll just, just bug out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I guess it's funny just like, uh, like, cause I, you know, I do more and more like drum shows and stuff these days and I find them quite intimidating cause like, like I was on after Gerald Hayward the other day Jeez. and I was just like, I was just like, man, who wants to listen to me after Gerald Hayward, you know, cause I just like, He's a monster. He's amazing. He's like, he's larger than life on the kit, you know, and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he's chopsy and it's, it's kind of like, 
I feel like we're maybe losing a bit of like you're either the you're either the sort of like the tasteful guy who just holds it down, you know, and gets all the all the sessions, or you're the flamboyant like chops master. And I don't know, we're losing a bit of in the middle because I I think I'm sort of like I'm something else, you know, just like I mean, you know, we're this is a a drummer's resource thing, and and we've talked about music for most of the time and not mm-hmm. about drums necessarily, you know? Right. Um, and I guess that's just, a that's sort of my standpoint on it is just sort of, yeah, just having a, having a vibe to, to draw on, you know, right. in your playing. I just, otherwise what, otherwise what do you play? How do you know what to play otherwise? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, you can't, you know- yeah. I was going to say, I just, I had a conversation with Alan Evans from Soul Live. Like we just released the, uh, actually it came out today. So, oh, you know, this is whatever it, it, it just got released and we were having a conversation. Uh, he went to see Dennis Chambers and was like totally blown away and was like, I, I'm probably going to quit playing drums and was like dead serious. He was like, I think I'm done. Like, I'm never going to be that. I'm never going to be able to do that. And then he was kind of like, you know what? Dennis does his thing and I do my thing and they're totally different. And I don't think like, like Gerald Hayward can't be Richard Spaven and vice versa. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think of it that way. Like who would want to, it's like, you're saying, Oh, who would want to listen to me after Gerald Hayward? It's like, I don't know the person who wants to hear you. Like they heard Gerald Hayward and then they would, then they want to hear you. And then, you know, then they would want to hear whoever Mike Johnston. And then they would want to hear Benny Grab. And, you know, I think that, I think that everyone, I think that everyone, as long as they're staying true. Now, if you're going up there trying to be like Gerald Hayward, we got a problem. But, but like you being you, I don't know. I think that that uniqueness is like, I think that's the cool thing, you know. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think I think it's actually just drum shows that just bring out that thing because it's like it's it's quite a useful stagecraft if you play in a flamboyant way at a drum show that is sure. kind of appropriate because it's a, it's just you and that you know if you're if you're asking the audience to like pick up on a on some subtlety in what you're doing it's it's more difficult it, it right. feels like a more difficult job to do that to a drum show audience that said drums drum show audience is some of audiences are some of the best listening audiences that I've ever played to and some of the most open-minded, which I totally didn't expect that going into it. I thought it would just be arms crossed people like pointing at my left hands, like not doing something <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> that it should be doing, or you know, but completely yeah. not that at all. Like everyone's right. so <laughs> open-minded. It's, like, yeah. it's a complete pleasure to do, you know, it's funny. His power just levels you, are uneven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whilst you were talking, I just thought of if you turn that around another way of like, if you take my music, you know, like I don't know the self or something. That's just that's a a session that I did where I feel like it's one of my perfect recording sessions to me. That track, the self. It's like sound. It's all in one take the groove just sat like it should, you know, I mean, I did lots of takes to, to get it, but I feel like it's one of my perfect takes. Mm-hmm. And if you turn it round and then think, do I want to 
would I rather hear Gerald Hayward on that? Then it's like, well, no, because I, you know, it's this whole thing. It's the whole, all the subtleties of, of what we started off talking about, like the, the preconceptions about, well, I want it to sound this way. It's got to feel this way. I'm playing from the inside of this music that I wrote and all that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of just something that I, I never thought of that in terms of, you know, being on, oh man, I was on before, I was on after Calvin Rogers last week at the UK drum show. That was, that was tough. But then, yeah. well, actually I, I probably would like to hear Calvin play on the self to be honest, <laughs> but, but, um, but you know what I mean? It's just a funny, if you just, ter- if you sort of turn the situation around to something else, that's just, a, that's given me an interesting way of, of looking at that anyway. You know, the, the interesting thing that you, that you're saying all this is that Gerald Hayward is actually the guy who really opened up my eyes to that idea of like being you and being yourself and like he, you know, he was saying, I, and we had a, this was a long time ago. We had this conversation, but he was basically like, "Look, not everyone's meant to do everything. So some people are meant to do, you know, these huge stadium tours. Some people aren't meant to do these stadium tours. Some people are meant to do this kind of thing behind the kit, and some people aren't meant to do that kind of thing." And he was like, "You just got to do the thing that you're supposed to be doing, and yeah. you know, and just." be great at that and that's your thing and and that's cool and whether it's like playing in pubs on friday nights or like touring with justin timberlake it's like whatever you do that's you know like whatever you're meant to do that's what you should do and just do it really well yeah yeah and he so it's funny we, that you uh, brought his name up about you know talking right about right that. yeah we t- we talked a lot actually we were we were we were mates if uh, it's, I don't know if you know what a diamond geezer is, but if you're from London, that's what you, we would call Gerald Hayward. He's a diamond geezer. A diamond a geezer? Yeah, you can't go higher than that. He's he's such a nice guy, such a great. I've never guy. heard of diamond geezer. It just means you're. Um, what what would you say instead? I don't know. Like a. See, it's, it's, it's all just London ways of saying it now like you're a top bloke i was going to say top bloke but that's equally as as london i mean i, um, I feel like i'd know that one like a geezer here is just an old person oh really yeah oh, no 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 doesn't mean that at all like basically it's just like great guy basically in a slang in a slang kind of london way i love diamond it. geezer yeah yeah i didn't realize that depth means like uh sub gigs either so i figured that one out too that's right. Like yeah, de- deputy like is not. Gig. It's not. He's not a. It's not law enforcement. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some, I was talking to somebody. They're like, I'm trying to get a dep gig, and I was like, I don't know what a dep gig is, but a diamond geezer. I'm just. Well, I can't call people that here, but once I'm in London, everybody will think I'm hip when I'm calling them diamond geezers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But just <laughs> save it for the. You've got to save it for the actual real. Right for the, the real, real nug- The real nuggets. Yeah. Don't don't don't. You can't call everyone that. right it's too it's too high a praise you know right right i got it (laughs) yeah yeah you can just 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 geezer will do for everyone else oh oh, so you can use it without the diamond too you can do yeah yeah nice so hence i i I hold that back for gerald because he really is a diamond geezer yeah i love it (laughs) this is drummer's resource slash slang resource so we can hit you yeah. to uh, 
We can hip you to all the slang too, so wherever you go, you're you sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> so if people uh, if people want to follow along with what you got going on, your new record coming out, how they can stay up with any tours that you're doing or clinics that you're doing or music or anything, where's the best place? Should they just go to your website? Are you more active on social media? Where's the best place? Uh, well, having talked about music the whole time, I would go to Spotify first and listen to some of the albums that I've got on there. Um, but then Instagram is a good one. Um, that's probably where I post the most sort of honest and, and sort of, uh, relevant sort of stuff. And then there is, there is a little, uh, com website as well with some dates and stuff on there. Cool. Richard, thanks so much for, for taking the time. I'm glad we finally got to do this, man. This was, this was an amazing conversation. You're quite the diamond geezer. I got to tell you. And, uh, <laughs> And, thanks, uh, thanks, man. Well, thanks yeah, for course. persisting and making it happen, man. It's appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, likewise. There you have it, Richard Spaven. Hope you dug that. And uh, if you go to drummersresource.com, you can go to the show notes, and there's some links in there of the music that we that we reference in here. And uh, yeah, just a cool conversation. I love I love his approach, and sort of it's cool how he has this sort of easygoing vibe to him, but is like really serious about the craft, which is something that, that I really dig. So uh, just stoked that I got him on here. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Hope you dug it. Would love to hear your feedback. I'm on all the socials at Drummers Resource, and you can email me, nick at drummersresource.com. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.